The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. I am really excited about this week's show. We have a lot of fun doing these shows, and these shows sometimes are very difficult because of the subject that we talk about. But there's a lot of good things going on in the world of combating human trafficking. And I've been very, very fortunate in my career to be able to work with some of the finest people out there, and especially when it comes to victim services. As many of you know, I recently came back from Alaska, and there I worked with Gwen Adams. And Gwen is joining us today. We're calling this the Jen and Gwen Show because Jen Osgood from Rafa House, and by the way, that's spelled R-A-P-H-A, Rafa House, uh, is going to join us also. First of all, before we get started, let me just tell you, if in case you're new, this show is all about global exploitation, and it can be many forms. We talk about human trafficking, we talk about sextortion, we talk about social media and, and how people are violated. This show is being operated by Million Kids. Now, that is spelled M-I-L-L-I-O-N, millionkids.org. And the reason it's called Million Kids is because more than a million kids are trafficked each year throughout the world. So we would encourage you to go to millionkids.org's website and also follow us on Facebook because we have an amazing media marketing gallery named Susie Carpenter, and she posts new cases on Facebook about exploitation about every three to four hours. Now, the reason that we do this is because we want to be able to say never again. We look at each of these cases from a standpoint of the predator and the victim and also law enforcement. Me and kids is engaged in educating to stop this, to be able to say never again for another human being to be exploited. So we encourage you to be sure and follow us, and we'd also encourage you to think about archiving these shows. The shows themselves are run on a webpage called exploitedcrimes.com, and we'd encourage you to go to that and see all the other archived shows. If you want a free education about human trafficking, that is just the best place you can go. And by the way, your church or ward or synagogue or nonprofit organization can archive these shows for free. And as you go on and see the training parts, you'll see the various episodes and you can listen to back shows. It's a great way to get training. There's probably now about 16 hours worth of free human trafficking training on those shows. So that's enough about who we are and what we do. What I want to do today is really kind of just turn it over to these girls. They're ladies, actually. Uh, Jen Osgood, uh, Osgood, I'm going to start with her. I work with Jen over in Cambodia, and also she works with the uh, Human Trafficking Task Force in Joplin, Missouri. And so she has expertise in working with victims in Joplin in the United States and also Cambodia, Thailand, and Haiti. And uh, Jen, are you on the air with us here? Yes, I'm here. Okay, great. What's your official title now? My title is International Director of Client Services. 
Woohoo! All right. Yeah. Well, I can, <laughs> I can tell you this. Jen does a whole lot when it comes to victims. And uh, so what I'm going to do is have Jen kick it off here, and then I'm going to bring in Gwen Adams. And Gwen, you can jump in there as Jen is talking. You Certainly the two of you can make this a, a dialogue. It doesn't have to be a monologue since you're both in the in the. Uh, the victim services business. But Jen, let's start off. And and before I get started too much, let me qualify something for people who might be new to the idea of working with human trafficking. And that is there's no such thing as a, let's say a model victim or a, a typical victim. Each of these people are individuals with a different story, a different background. Some of them may be 13, 14 years old and and only been in their life two, three, four, five months. Others of them may be 45, 50 years old and have been exploited most of their lives. So there is a large range of the people that we deal with, which means there's a large range of the kinds of needs that a person has. So with that, I'm going to back off. Jen, you want to just kind of start it off with us, and then we'll pick up with Gwen. Okay. Well, um, is there anything specific you'd like for me to address first, Opal? No, just talk about your experiences as far as, you know, the psychological, sociological, spiritual needs, mm-hmm. things like that. Okay. Well, you know, the needs of, um, it's, it's interesting when you're working with human trafficking victims because the needs are so similar in many ways. And then also, as you referred to, Opal, they're also very different because each individual person, um, you know, we have our own personalities and our own experiences, and so that also makes our needs very different. We see um, some similarities, no matter what age they are, um, with trafficking victims who have experienced prolonged exposure to trauma. There are some similarities. Um, Physically, they have a lot of, um, excuse me, medical issues. They have a lot of issues. Um, dental issues, hygiene issues, many of them have experienced multiple abortions, and they have just not had um, continual health care. So um, the physical issues that present are, are the same in a lot of those experiences. And then a lot of times they have effects from abuse, whether that's traumatic brain injury, broken bones, scarring, things like that, and then as well as um, things like addiction. Because um, whether they're young or old, a majority of trafficking victims have experienced addiction, whether they are consuming um, substances to try to dull their pain or whether they are being forced to take drugs in order for their pimp to gain control over them. Well, I think that's... Let me interrupt there, and uh, Jen, uh, or uh, Gwen, excuse me, you can jump in here too. Uh, that is an issue that people don't realize. Um, I was uh, today training the uh, Fire Academy, and we were talking about, you know, you see a young person on drugs, we are, we're all normal, we're all judgmental. We look at them and think, oh, they're probably right. doing this by their own choice, but what mm-hmm. we often find with a victim is they're given cocktails of inexpensive mm-hmm. drugs that causes severe mental damage. Uh, Gwen, right. do you have experience with that? Yes. I mean, we've seen some of our gals who talk about stories of being pinned down and, and shot with heroin against their wishes until they're at a place where they're genuinely addicted. I think also a lot of times you get these cocktails and it can cause things like uh, mm-hmm. experiences like borderline personality or or even uh, like bipolar kind of situations. You mm-hmm. get, it'll, it'll actually change their psychological uh, chemistry. Have you seen that, Jen, in what you're doing? Yes. And, and actually, when somebody comes out of a trafficking situation, even into whether it's a safe house or some sort of treatment program, we need to be very cautious about diagnosing any sort of psychological or emotional or personality disorders because um, their response to trauma and their response to substance abuse specifically can present very similarly to some of the other disorders that are developed as a result of trauma. So we need to really take the time to let those um, individuals kind of detox and, and get off of the drug addictions and... Um, you know, just give them the time and not push them so they can find themselves and you can figure out what's really them and what is really the result of drugs and substance abuse, whether it's 
um, willful or not willful. You know, uh, you just said something that triggered a thought with me, and uh, I'm going to give this back to Gwen here in a minute. That is important. You know, and a lot of times when I speak, people come forward and say they want to work with victims. And, you know, there it's been my experience that there are various levels of individuals that can work with a victim, but you need to know the limits of your expertise. In other words, mm-hmm. a, so- a social worker can certainly you know, work with and understand that the person's in trouble, but mm-hmm. they they are not a, you know, PhD in psychology or a licensed therapist, and you need to know your limitations and when to turn it over to a professional. And, and yeah. I know, Gwen, you guys have a program up there uh, that is just amazing to me about the mentor program. You want to talk about how that works? Yes. I mean, in a sense, it's a little like, I'll use the analogy of a mall, uh, our mentors walk with our survivors. We, we attach two mentors to each survivor. And um, during the course of her training, we, we joke about how much we're untraining. But their job is to come in as the first taste of healthy community to provide um, basically a modality for the survivor to begin to access what she needs. And so we train them to look for clues, um, to understand maybe trauma triggers, but they are in no way to engage in in uh, walking someone through their story or, or engaging in trauma counseling or anything like that. But basically, they're the ones walking them through the mall, getting them the, the trauma therapy they may need, the doctor visits they may need, filling out paperwork for government agencies or support or um, helping them access food and housing and all those things. But they are not the source. They're not the resource. They are the ones that are walking with them to help them get that resource. So we really spend a lot of time teaching our mentors to look for signs that those things may be there, but then not engage in it. So it sounds like we're talking about assess but not treat. Would that be appropriate? Yes, and of course, some of the assessment, of course, is done by our case management team, so that's that's even handed to the mentor. So they're not really even assessing, but they're they're uh, helping with the case of uh, with the help of a case manager access the services that may that may be needed. And involved in that too is not just you know focusing on a survivor by what the services that she may need, but also the fact that she just needs some space and some area in her life that isn't about her story and about the broken and about the sex trafficking. So mixed in that, lots of times of just laughter, grabbing a cup of coffee, um, taking a walk, going to a park, things like that are also mixed in there so that there's just this taste of some normal, normalcy, uh, maybe the, even the first, um, the first exposure to what it might even look like to have a friend, to have somebody okay. that you're just engaging in in life. Okay, I think that's very important. We're up against a hard break, so we're going to come back. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the sociological issues of being accepted. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Seduced. The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, welcome back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. We have Jen Osgood and Gwen Adams with us. They're in different parts of the world, and they haven't ever met each other, but I know them both, and I'm very proud to know both of them. They're excellent individuals, and they work with victims' uh, services or being able to work with helping a, a person that has been exploited to re-enter into the real world and try to reestablish some level of stability. So what we've been talking about is the psychological impact of trafficking and what kinds of needs that a, a victim might have. So what I'm going to do is uh, Gwen was telling us about her mentor program, and uh, I, I think that it's an excellent model, and I'd like to pick up with her to talk about how they have mentors that come alongside. And, and Gwen, you and I have talked about this in the past, the issues of, of touch and the skin barrier and also how your mentor program takes these young ladies out into the world where they're at and be able to help them reintegrate. Can you pick it up from there? Yeah, I think, you know, as we begin talking about some of the things that we train to in our mentor team is, you know, whether or not the trafficking, it certainly does impact the psychological well-being of somebody for sure. But quite often what we're finding is are those vulnerabilities, sometimes mental illness, um, lack of a, a family, um, having spent time in the foster care system, and, of course, m- more than 90% of the women we work with have experienced childhood sexual abuse. And all of those wow. things are let me factors. Let me stop you. Hey, uh, Gwen, let me stop you on that. You have 90% that were previously sexually molested? Yes. Wow. Jen, yes. Jen is that about right? Everything I've heard was about 70%. What, what do you see out there? Um, the statistics that I've seen have been more national statistics, but um, what I've seen has been around 80%. So it's not too surprising that that there's that 90%. That 90% may be more accurate because actually sexual abuse victims don't, you know, a, a great number of those don't, don't ever even report that they have experienced sexual abuse. So um, the 90% doesn't surprise me. Wow, that's heavy duty. I mean, just think of the mm-hmm. psycholo- psychological impact if you were already molested. Well, I well, and you, you have to understand that traffickers are not, you know, they're, they're smart. They know what they're doing. They're looking for a gal who's um, in that pre-groomed category who, where mm-hmm. she's already experienced trauma in that way. Or she may have, I mean, women who have been in and out of, of treatment homes already or um, programs like that are, are are targets for them. So a lot of t- so a lot of the women we deal with definitely have psychological issues, but mm-hmm. whether those were present prior to trafficking or not, I don't know. I don't know that it matters a whole lot, but um, that's a vulnerability that's looked for. So a lot of mentally ill women who've been in treatment homes are targeted for trafficking. And okay, that, and so that know, would that, that would change the way that you would perhaps set up a a, a recovery strategy for that person versus, say, a young lady who's ran off with her boyfriend and didn't have that history and then got caught up in it and couldn't get out. Is that correct? Well, for sure. I mean, that's, you know, part of the case management team. That's their job is to sit down and really begin to start hearing um, where the story is intersecting with the reality that that's currently going on in her life. And the first thing we do is just try to create or cultivate the soil so that change can happen. And the first thing, of course, is safety. And the second thing is addressing physical health, um, physical and mental health. So until those two things are looked at and addressed, we really can't move forward even in the mentoring program. 
So let's talk about safety a minute, uh, and then I do want to talk about the idea that you had about the skin and the barrier. But, uh, Jen, I know uh, you work with this overseas in Cambodia Mm -hmm. and and Haiti. The first thing they do there is go into a safe house Um, Mm -hmm. here in the United States. Not as many are as willing to go into a safe house. Uh, So you have to get creative about how you can keep them safe. Is, Is that your experience? Yes, I think that that's definitely true, Um, especially in the United States. You know, the general public is used used to a high level of freedom. And so women who have been, you know, under the control of another person and under the confinement of another person do not want to walk from control and confinement into another situation that feels like control and confinement. And so Mm -hmm. we have to find ways to help them feel empowered and safe, but not controlled and confined. Wow, and that that really gets crazy with so many of our cases related to gangs because they're not just mm-hmm. hiding from the individual who was the their perpetrator, but those guys spread the word and they have friends. So the other the other thing that I often see here is our laws here in California, and keep in mind this show goes out to 170 countries, but our laws here in California, they're automatically a victim if they're under 18, which means we can't keep them. So these young girls don't always have the depth of judgment of how mm-hmm. how much danger they're in. And so the first thing they'll either do is go back home or go back uh, to their perpetrator. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all know that gets really, really ugly if he can catch up yeah, with her yeah, again. Yeah. So, so Gwen, back, uh, I interrupted you there, sorry. Uh, can you pick up with what you're saying and, and go on with personal safety because that is a huge issue. Yeah, so uh, our mentors are all, uh, the, the FBI actually comes in and does our training with the, the mentor teams and um, what Jen is saying is exactly right. How do you keep somebody safe and yet give them the full voice and freedom that they really need to begin to recover? And one of the ways that we do that is, um, you know, all, all, most of our gals come in from uh, referral from law enforcement, so there's an active or open case with a pimp or gang or um, somebody who's, you know, maybe posting bail, uh, going to trial, or they haven't caught him yet, but there's there's these open cases. And so, um, and they are obviously tagged as maybe a star witness, so they are in danger, and they they believe that they're in grave danger, and sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not true. But um, we do things like um, we meet in public places, but there's a safety word if the girl ever uses whatever the, her safety, the, the word that she chooses as a safety word without any further question or investigation. Um, the team quickly gets up, flanks her on both sides, and moves to a vehicle and gets out of there. We never meet at the same location twice with a, the same gal, and there's you know, definitely alter the schedule all the time. Um, our our gals uh, don't ever drive to, for instance, the safe house. We always have a um, a lot somewhere where we m- may meet them and then take them there. So a lot of just logistical safety things without trying to, you know, create a prison scenario. And um, another thing that's just a, a huge safety matter is our girls have right in their phones with them, they have... Um, the phone number of the trooper or or the FBI and they've been our, our law enforcement here has been so great at giving the gals priority contact that way, so um, that's been a huge help as well. That's interesting. Uh, what have you seen, Jen, as far as uh, you know? I know that you don't run a, a normal safe house here in the U.S., uh, mm-hmm. but I do know that you're supporting the Joplin uh, group back there and that they're trying to find ways to uh, be able to keep them safe. Do you work with mm-hmm. individual homes, or how does this work? And and if it is individual homes, how do you qualify them so that you're not getting a, a, a family in, in a dangerous situation? Well, you know, we um, here in Joplin are in the middle of that process of setting up those protocols of determining which programs and houses are um, going to meet the standards that we feel comfortable, um, you know, advising different different girls to go to and, and assisting them in enrolling in different programs. And, and that's one of the things that we feel 
really strongly about is making sure that whatever area that they're in, that the law enforcement is dedicated to the safety of those individuals. Um, the other yeah. thing that, that's mm-hmm. common practice around the, the Midwest area is that if, you know, if a young woman or any age actually um, decides to go into a program or a court, you know, helps her come into a program, whatever the means, many times she doesn't stay in the area that she's been working in or that she's been exploited in because of those safety issues. Yeah. They try to find a place that will cooperate with law enforcement but will cooperate from a distance so that they don't have to worry about running into those individuals in the grocery store or them seeing them on the street or at McDonald's or, you know, places like that. And that's also for um, that young person's personal feeling of safety because it's very difficult to move toward healing when you're constantly watching over your shoulder to see who might be coming for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jen, Jen brings up an excellent point. As, as often as we can, when a gal is really ready for treatment and, and wants to go into a program of some sort, we'll find a program out of state and mm-hmm. uh, also be open for gals from other places to come here so that sometimes just that plane ticket provides an immeasurable amount of safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, of, one of the other things that I would caution our listeners is that when we hear about the atrocities that are taking place, it obviously melts all of our hearts. Every one of us wants to be able to jump in and do something to make a difference, and that is a good thing. But I would caution people to use good judgment. Work mm-hmm. with an organization that is organized mm-hmm. and licensed and has been trained in what to do. Don't just jump in there yourself <laughs> and don't be going out there and hauling those people home and thinking that this is all going to make it good. You know, these people have had deep-seated challenges as they've been horribly, horribly abused. On top of it, many of them are on drugs. And so the thing that I would caution you there is that you do need a tremendous amount of training on this and you need good judgment. And while it's good to have a soft heart, it's more important to understand that this is a very complex situation and has to be dealt with appropriately. Well, we're moving into a hard break, but before we do, I want to remind you that you can archive this show by contacting OPAL, O-P-A-L, at millionkids.org and ask us about archiving the show so that we can train as many people as possible and be sure and follow Million Kids on Facebook. We're on a hard break here, so bear with us, stay with us. At the next section, we're going to be talking about inconsistencies and triggers that challenge a girl in her recovery. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest-growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again 
is Opal Singleton. Well, welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We're having an excellent discussion here with Gwen Adams. She's with uh, Priceless up in Alaska. I was up there a couple of weeks ago and just had the time of my life. Those people spoil you rotten. And we also have Jen Osgood, and she's with Rafa House. That is spelled R-A-P-H-A, Rafa House. And that is out of Joplin, Missouri, but they also run safe houses in Thailand, in Haiti, and also in Cambodia. Many of you may know me personally. My name is Opal Singleton, and I am on the board of directors of Rafa House. I just love them to death. They are absolutely amazing people. Stephanie Freed is the executive director, and I believe she's in Thailand this week. And they just do a tremendous work. If you ever really want to get involved in an overseas mission, you'll want to make sure and con- you can contact me, Opal, at Million Kids, or you can contact uh, Jen at uh, Rafa House, and she'll give her email address before it's over. But we were talking at the break before we came back here about survival skills and how these girls learn to survive. So I'm going to turn it back over to Gwen and uh, let her pick up on that. And then we're going to go and talk a little bit about some of the triggers that cause them to relapse and also some of the inconsistencies. I think it's just really important. We had a, a, a group up here that just had a big heart and wanted to jump in and help, so they began to opening their doors to um, gals that were um, dancing in the clubs and um, they their housing decision was that they would open up their homes and their guest rooms in their in their homes. The problem was is they didn't have any training or thought going into it and uh, were calling after the fact because of the disasters that happened in in that program. And here's the thing. If you survive, we call them survivors for a reason. They have survived hell and back, most of these girls. And if you've learned skills in order to keep yourself alive, and if they didn't learn the skills of lying, manipulation, uh, being very good at stealing, if they didn't learn those skills, they probably wouldn't even be alive for us to help them. So those are, those were necessary for their survival. And so how do you take somebody who's who's learned those kind of skills and begin walking them forward back to a normal um, place in life where they, they can um, live in healthy relationships and healthy community? But those are things that we have to pay attention to because I always tell my mentors, you are now probably the wealthiest person that they're in contact with. And if you think you're going to just throw your purse on the passenger seat and not have it rifled through, you're mistaken. Interesting. Well, that is one of the things that we need to look at is what are some of the triggers because this this kind of business of, of rescuing and supporting survivors, and trust me, my heart and soul is into it. We need to do this everywhere we can. As you know, me and kids' mission is all about keeping kids out of this in the first place. But once we have a survivor, I've watched as so many organizations have done their best to be able to rehabilitate some of the uh the victims that are involved and some of them just are amazing i know some amazing survivors today that have came out of it that have come out of it excuse me and they have matured and they've worked through the psychological damage and like that but it is not easy and time and time again you think you're making headway and then something will trigger a relapse or uh, maybe at least a, a bad place. And Jen, can you talk a little bit about that? I know you've seen you've seen some of that in the work you've done overseas, so I know you know about yeah. it. But what are some of the triggers that the, that sets us off? You know, it's interesting that you asked that, Opal, because I just had a middle of the night conversation with a young lady that is in Southeast Asia right now, and um, she was in complete crisis, and she was going to go back to her family who had trafficked her because it's the only place she felt accepted. Um, Interesting. You know, and what that came from was people found out about what she had experienced, and they had been talking about it amongst themselves where she could hear. And so all of a sudden, that was complete and total rejection. She had instantaneously lost all trust that she had built in any of those individuals. And, um, you know, so it's, even when they allow themselves to feel supported or cared for or to trust somebody, the smallest thing can set them in the opposite direction. 
And a lot of times it's, it's a perception issue. It's not really um, that those people meant to cause that person to feel rejected, but it's easy, very easy for them to feel rejected. They've felt rejected so many times in the past. It's comfortable for them to just go back to what they know, even if what they know is um, abusive and hurtful and painful. There's a level of comfort that they find in knowing what to expect. Interesting. Gwen, what are some of the triggers you see? Well, I think, too, just to recognize that what goes on in the life of a sex trafficking victim isn't all horror. And so she's actually, there's there's a payout for her, too. It might be, like Jen said, acceptance. It might be I had one gal who um, every week, uh, her trafficker, although she was um, facing horrific beatings, horrific amounts of abuse, he also took her every week to the spa to get her nails and, and hair done. I mean, in my opinion, keeping up his merchandise. But in her opinion, really caring for her. And uh, she heard the words, I love you, frequently between the beatings. But when uh, a, a trigger for her would be to just be in a quiet space inside of her head and all of a sudden remembering those kind words and blocking out the bad stuff and feeling like she can't live without the good part of that. So it's always a mixed bag for them. They don't always feel terrible about their situation. I think, too, that, you know, like in anybody who's going through a loss, a lot of times we'll have something that triggers. If you've ever had a situation mm-hmm. where you've broken up with a boyfriend, all of a sudden you hear a song or, and you feel yeah. very, very sad or you see a dress that okay. reminds you of a dress that you wore. Or uh, one, of, one of the things that you said when we were talking on a previous show, Gwen, that really fascinated me was how all of us wonderful, caring people want to give them a hug. But right. that... You know, you want to talk about that? I think that's a fascinating thing. Yes, our most primal God-given boundary is our skin. And for a sex trafficking victim or a a child who's been exploited through sexual abuse, even at a very young age, that has been violated. The very basic boundary that we have has been completely um, violated. Every other boundary we have for our lives flows out of our skin. So uh, somebody who's been a victim of sex trafficking for a while has no boundaries. They, they don't respect any of their own boundaries, and they won't respect anyone, anyone else's boundaries. The, the whole idea of boundaries is a foreign thing to them. So as we begin to walk someone, we first reestablish her basic boundary, which is her skin. We're giving her and talking about her having the right to say yes and no when it comes to her skin. So we would never reach out and touch somebody because that's their their basic boundary unless they gave permission. So we don't hug, we don't reach out and touch unless there's been permission given for those things. So begin to reestablish, first of all, that basic boundary of skin. That's an interesting thing. I had never thought about that before. Of course, I'm not really a hugger. I'm I, I mean, I'm okay hugging people I know, but I've gotten a lot better at it. But, you know, it, it seems like a lot of people who care and want to impart love just automatically reach out and touch. At the same time, I, I really wanted to talk about one other issue here, and that is uh, this idea because we have a strong spiritual faith. And so many people who are in the human trafficking uh, redemption business, if you will, immediately began to lay a whole lot of religion on them or uh, some spiritual beliefs and that kind of thing. But think about this. I mean, first of all, not just spiritual, but what if the religion was involved in the exploitation? What if the person who, one of the people who violated them was a cop or was a pastor in there? Uh, and I, and by the way, it isn't just the spiritual aspect. I talk about this with law enforcement when we talk about them is think about boundaries and triggers because mm-hmm. as a law enforcement officer, you're sitting there in a uniform with a gun on and you've arrested a girl in a bra and a pants. And so you immediately have triggers right there anytime she's looking at you with a uniform and a gun. Or if you're a pastor, that may not be a good thing. Or if you're a woman mm-hmm. and she was violated with by a woman, that doesn't necessarily mean that she can trust you. One of you want to pick up on that? Uh, my 
my experience, even here recently, you know, I've been um, communicating with a with a lady who is still in the life. She's been in the life. It's been her career. Um, she's been prostituting since she was a young girl, sold by her father, and now she's older than I am. And um, she has, you know, just talked to me about how many times she has had pastors, Christian men, police officers come as John and pay for service. You know, and she talked about how, um, and this is so very common, about how there are police that that um, patrol the area where she lives, and she lives right on the track she works on. And so all she has to do is turn a trick for them, and then they'll walk away. But she said even you can't even trust police to, if you turn a trick for them and expect them to walk away, they may still turn around and arrest you. And so it's this deep-seated mistrust in people, and she, um, actually, a, a pastor and his wife has befriended her, and she said for the longest time, she kept asking him, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? Because since he was a pastor, and she had had so many pastors come as John, she automatically did not trust him, knowing that he was a pastor. And let me jump in here. As most of you know, I work with law enforcement, and the team that I work with are just amazing people. And there has been a lot of publicity lately where uh, police have been involved in human trafficking as the perpetrator. In fact, up in Oakland, that's a big case going on right now. And that is just incredibly, incredibly sad when someone like that abuses their position of trust or authority. And, uh, And I go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, but, you know, the rest of her story was, I said, is there anybody in law enforcement that you do trust? And she said, actually, there is one detective that I really, really trust. And I'm thinking about talking to him about what's been happening to me. And so they're capable at a certain point of recognizing that there are people, even in law enforcement, if they've had a bad experience, who are good but it takes them a long time to build the trust in these people. She has known this one detective for about 10 years, and um, that detective has retired, but he's so dedicated to, truly dedicated to helping people who are being hurt or crimes are being committed that he's willing to come back out of retirement and come back and sit down and interview with her because he understands that she trusts him. So well, that's, that's happen, but it takes I a think long that's time. very helpful. I'm going to we're up against hard breaks. So I'm going to interrupt you here. We'll come back in a minute. I want to start to talk about some of the inconsistencies that these ladies have to deal with and being able to recover and all the different kind of swings that they take in their various approach. This is exploited crimes against humanity. Stay with us. We are broadcasting out on Voice America Variety Channel to 170 countries. So be sure and go on Facebook. Uh, log on, give us your name, tell us where you're at, tell us what you'd like about the show and what you'd like to see different. So stay with us. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Seduced. The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello, and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We are talking about how to help victims of human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking, recover. And in this case, we are mostly talking about females. We have Gwen Adams with us from Priceless up in Alaska, and we also have Jen Osgood with Rafa House. And this segment, we want to talk about uh, some of the inconsistencies that happen in, in helping a girl recover, because this can be just exasperating business. Jen, you want to, or not Jen, uh, Gwen, you want to pick up on that, and then we'll... we'll yeah, so we, we talk at prices all the time about redefining success. I think sometimes we have in our minds that success looks a certain way and we put it in a box, but we try to break that down and, and uh, you know, because there are so many, so many times where a girl takes two steps forward, one step back. And we just had an example of this recently. A, a gal broke curfew, didn't show up, and, um, you know, we found out later that she had gone out and was using drugs and, and drinking, and uh, which is totally not okay in order to be in the the safe house. But instead of even addressing that, we were so excited that she called and said, I won't, I didn't come back because I can't drive under these conditions. And so we uh, picked up on that and just praised her up one side and down the other for making that really wise choice not to drive in that condition. And the fact that she reached out and called was was such a big deal. So stopping long enough to really celebrate the little successes and and be okay with those without having to have the whole enchilada, so to speak. They've been shamed enough already, and so we can't use shame as the catalyst for creating change. And and it's very shameful and embarrassing to them as well when they when they have a step back. Uh huh. And I do think that when you're in this business, you understand that that a relapse is inevitable. Uh, you know, this is this is a very difficult business because it isn't like you're only dealing with drugs or you're only dealing with alcohol. You can tell in that case when someone has relapsed. But when you're well, dealing with a, go ahead. Well, think about it. These gals do not get the money. I mean, that that's just a fact. They don't get the money. And so when they're freed and, and their pimp's been arrested, and all of a sudden they begin to calculate in their mind the amount of money that their body was bringing in, there's a huge temptation to maybe just one weekend I can go out and that money could be mine. And so we see a lot of gals want to try, go back and see if they could do it on their own and have that money for themselves. So we've seen relapse for for that reason, I mean, that's a huge temptation for somebody who has nothing. Oh, I bet it is because if you're used to being taken care of, even if it's you know in a extremely painful manner, uh, and you see that money, and now you're in a safe house, you're starting from the bottom, you're trying to rebuild who you are. You don't have any money, you don't have a job, you don't have any expertise. Maybe you're trying to get a baby back out of the system, or trying to get mm-hmm. your children back. And I, I think that that is absolutely huge. I uh, and we haven't talked mm-hmm. about that much, but I do know what a powerful force that is if you have a baby, and especially if your pimp is your baby's daddy. There, there must be several triggers as we began to look at this. I, uh, one of the things that we were looking at earlier is this constant feeling of powerlessness, yeah. you know, of, of inability to move forward and make things happen. And, and there must be also a tremendous sense of loss because this isn't what you had designed for your life. And so now you're experiencing the loss of your own identity. And for many of these women, you know, the other women who are also being exploited and trafficked alongside them become their family. And trauma connects you to the people you experience trauma with. And so even though they may be glad to not be beaten every day, they also experience the loss of the only people who have been there with them throughout the trauma. Well, we are uh, starting to run out of time on this show. And before I do, I want to be able to give a little time to both of these ladies and let them tell about their organization and how to reach them. So, Gwen, you want to start first? Yes, um, Gwen Adams, Executive Director at Priceless. 
up here in Alaska, and our website is www.pricelessalaska.org, and you can get any information off of there on how to find us on Facebook and everything else. So I'll just give you that one resource. Okay, and Jen, you want to talk about Rafa House and what your your organization is there? Sure. Um, I'm Jen Osgood, and I'm the International Director of Client Services for Rafa House International. You can find out more about us on our website, which is www.rafahouse.org. Our organization contact information is on there, or you're welcome to email me directly at josgood, that's J-O-S-G-O-O-D, at rafahouse.org as well. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I know both these ladies, and I really appreciate them coming on. My name is Opal Singleton. I'm with Me and Kids at meandkids.org, and this is exploitedcrimes.com. We're going to ask you to please share this with as many people as you know. You can archive it on your church website, your synagogue, a ward, a nonprofit, if you're a rotary, AAUW, Seroptimist. Feel free to go ahead and post that on your website because it's free and it is free training. By the way, I don't normally ask about donations, but if you want to donate financially to any one of these organizations, you certainly can do that because it takes every dime we have to keep every bit of this going all the time. In the meantime, uh, I want to advise you, I probably should have advised in the beginning of the show, this show has been pre-recorded, so nobody could call in this time. Uh, but normally that you can. This show will resume again a week from Thursday. This will air on Thursday morning on September 15th, and then a week from Thursday we will again uh, resume our normal broadcasting. I have a a family situation where I've had to travel. So a week from Thursday you will be able to call in. But in the meantime, please follow us again at meandkids.com, excuse me, meandkids.org, or follow us at meandkids on on Facebook, or you can reach me at opal at meandkids.org. Thank you so much for all you folks do out there. Thank you for following us. Thank you for being loyal people and getting involved in this. Thank you for sharing this. Please contact us about getting an embed code so we can archive this. It is my passion to change the world. And I don't care if you're in Croatia or Spain or Italy or Cambodia or South America or right here in the U.S. We want you to be part of the Exploited Crimes family. So thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. Please join your host, Opal Singleton, for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another important discussion next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.